0: You know, I get tired blood, man. Yeah, I'm, I, I, I am on a drug. It's called Charlie Sheen. This is Jennifer Shahadi, and you're listening to the
1: Fool English Breakfast with Lawrence Trent and Stephen Gordon.
2: episode number eight of the Full English Breakfast in the Collector's Series. We're going to be catching up on a few stories from the periphery of the chess world in this quiet time in the absence of Linares. So let's bring in quickly International Master Lawrence Trent and Grandmaster Stephen Gordon. Gentlemen. It's been
1: too long, Macaulay. I've missed this. I'm excited about today's little chat.
2: It's a scandal-ridden episode, isn't
3: it? The way things are going in the world. We've got... uh... All sorts, we've got the Middle East Uprisings, we've got uh, Charlie Sheen doing God knows <laughs> what, and, and now and we've got this. this.
2: Does Charlie Sheen play chess? Uh,
3: if he doesn't, he should, and if he needs any lessons, I'd be quite happy to fly over there. Um, but yeah, this is a really strange time at the moment, so I, I suppose I
2: can see the next question coming, Macaulay.
1: What's going on with the Frenchies, boys? Talk to me about this cheating allegation.
2: Well, first, a little background. This was back in January during the Tata Steel Tournament. The French Chess Federation accused Grandmasters Sebastian Feller and Arnaud Hauchard and International Master Cyril Mozolo of organized cheating during the last Olympiad in Khanty-Mansisk. The French Federation didn't provide the details, but we can assume that it has to do with computer assistance. And Feller and Hoshar publicly denied the accusation, with Feller suggesting a political bias against him for his support of FIDE President Illumzhinov in the elections, a charge the French Federation, which supported Karpov, vehemently denies. So, what do you guys make of this? The
1: first thing that I find a bit strange is that, is it normal to do that? I would have thought that if they had the specific evidence... Then and only then would be the time that they'd start announcing this on the net because you know it's damaging to Fella and it's damaging to the others. If Fella wants some invites at the moment, if he's looking to play in tournaments, what are these organisers thinking? If it turns out He hasn't done anything. He's going to be looking for some compensation.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's a bit of a sticky situation, really, because, as you rightly mentioned, Steve, the the issue at the moment is that reputations are at risk. And as a player, there's nothing worse than being accused for something that you didn't do. And there's no evidence at the moment to suggest they did. Now, if evidence does come to light, and, of course, they are found guilty, that will be really terrible for chess because I, I would say he's even a prodigy isn't he he's only young he's only yeah, what he's yeah. 19 years old he's 2660 so it's a, it'll be a huge blow for french chess and also of course we've got to then think well is this the only case is it going to open up a whole can of worms it's such
1: a big case as well because the frenchies were on they were on board one in the penultimate round and they'd won maybe two or three matches in a row, two and a half, one and a half. The top three boards drawing, and fellow was just being an absolute champion on board four. He'd be putting his He smashed David away. Howell, didn't he? Yeah, yeah well, I mean, they'd be winning, they'd be winning matches two and a half, one and a half. So it's yeah. you know, it's had a big bearing on the biggest, Huge biggest team event in the world. If it's if it's true, this is. The, but, the problem
3: um, is, that, and I don't know where McCauley can come in on this. Is this? A, an invasion of human rights. Is there some sort of issue here? Because this isn't normally the way things go, is it? Uh, from what I understand. I'm sure there's an investigation first, and then if there's some genuine evidence after some stage of the investigation, then they will announce it publicly. But they've gone public with it. They're ready to ruin the reputation of one of their biggest stars, apart from Vashir legrave of course, and, and perhaps a few others. But he's going to be a 2700 player, so they're ready to ruin that. So something's awry, something just isn't quite right here I I can't put my finger on it
1: Even if you've got 20 cases of suspicious behaviour, I don't think that things should be being brought public on the internet without evidence. And if they are being brought public, then it should be sorted as soon as
2: possible. Well, Trent, I appreciate your faith in my expertise on uh, international human rights. Um, In this case, I don't have any inside information, but I can uh, speculate a little bit about the timing. One possibility is that the uh, French Federation knew that this was going to go public some way or another anyway. Uh, Maybe, you know, somebody else had it. I mean, obviously this investigation, according to the released statements, started some weeks before um, and only, you know, was made public with, with these letters. The other possibility is that there's a connection with uh, the fact that uh, Maxim Vashiragav was participating in the Tata Steel tournament because Hoshar is his trainer and second, and normally he would come with him to the tournament. So I could imagine that if the news was going to break, they would much rather have it break before the tournament so that you know it wouldn't be some kind of a bombshell on their players in the middle of a big event, or they would have a chance to make a determination that Hoshar should not travel with him to A. Right. Mm-hmm.
1: It does make a a lot of sense when you put it that way, yeah. It's just a shame that it's ongoing, you know, but what can you do?
3: Whichever way it ends, it's a negative result. If they're found guilty, it's tragic. It will will never play again. It will never get invited anywhere. And if they're not guilty, then I suppose they've got every right to sue the French Chess Federation. So this is a really nasty, nasty situation. And
2: I, I can't see a clear way out of it. We take a trip across the channel and the next scandal on the show. Chess Promotions Limited, under the direction of Malcolm Payne, made a bid for the 2012 World Championship match to be held in London in conjunction with the Summer Olympic Games. And after negotiations through the fall and then further negotiations in London in January, Chess Promotions finally asked FIDE to accept the offer. By Saturday, the 29th of January, 2011, FIDE missed the deadline, so they withdrew their bid. Not surprisingly, FIDE disputed parts of the explanation for this withdrawal and said that the sticking point turned out to be who would pay the UK tax on the prize fund. And now to help us clear all this up, joining us from his home in London, international master and entrepreneur, Malcolm Payne. Hi,
0: McCauley. Hi, guys. Hello, Malcolm. How are you? I'm all right. I haven't had a full English for a long time, so. Hello, Malcolm. This I'm is here. a great opportunity, I Steve Macaulay. I I, I hate to to, uh, to to be a bit picky, but could I correct a few of those things? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, well, well. First of all, we started negotiating with them in March. Right. The the bid was in July. Like the negotiations lasted ten months. And secondly, we we sent the if you like the the initial offer with the with with the draft contract in in all its glory. You know, just before the FIDE Congress in wherever it was i think they were in norway and we got a note from them saying yeah we'll be right back to you and then of course they got bound up in their election so we didn't uh, we didn't think that was anything surprising but then nothing very much happened in the fall in the autumn so uh, we started to push it along a little bit and there was a bit of backwards and forwards and in the end we we got uh, what what seems to us a pretty sensible uh, contract in the meantime magnus by the way is withdrawn which is kind of quite a key part of this picture. So from our point of view, we'd made a very, very substantial offer, like over 2 million euros, and we didn't want to pay any more. And the reality is that the negotiations fell down on something quite basic. They just wanted, well, they were, they were trying to do an Oliver, you know, they just wanted a bit more. And, um, and we said no. And if this was a sort of a normal business negotiation, then no one would be very upset about it and there wouldn't be stupid letters on chessbase.com and hand ringing and all that sort of stuff. You know, we said it's X. They said, no, we want X plus 100,000 euros. And we said no and that's really all that happened
2: in the official response I guess it's sort of an official response The letter from Israel Gelfer although it was it was more personally addressed to you yes I'm quoting him he says you made it very clear as you recall that the sponsor of the match lost interest in it after the withdrawal of Grandmaster Magnus Carlsen and consequently instructed you to quote not negotiate at all about anything i.e. take it or leave it now aside from the slightly patronizing tone of that yes, um, and and disclosing of what presumably was parts of a private negotiation. Yes. Um, surely your sponsor uh, must have been aware that th- there was only a, um, a chance of Magnus to qualify anyway. By some accounts, maybe 25%, depending on how you uh, factor in, um, you know, his, his ability to get through the candidates.
0: Yes. If you cube two thirds, you get the sort of the chances or something like that. So yeah, no, of course he understood that and. That's why what Gelfer says is is, is so ridiculous, of course. And uh, we'll put down the sort of the slightly patronising tone down to is OK, he speaks English pretty brilliantly, but he doesn't write it quite as well. And um, sorry, am I trying to be patronising back? Maybe. And, and of course, you know, the, the sponsor was so disinterested, he offered two million euros for the match. That's how disinterested he was. <laughs> I mean, how could he say that? It's hilarious. I mean, yes, he certainly wasn't as excited uh, about it because Magnus wasn't playing. But he was still interested enough to put, you know, a huge offer on the table and we'd run it in London. I mean, you've got to remember that this is this is an offer of more than three million euros by the time it costs you at least a million euros to run the thing. So it's stupid to say he'd lost interest. He'd simply come to a point which anyone with any experience in business would understand where he wasn't prepared to pay any more than he'd already offered. That's not the same as losing interest. That's just saying, I think it's worth no more than this. So here is this. And they were insistent on getting another 100,000 euros. And I've got to emphasize that this 100,000 euros was not for Vichy or for the challenger. This was an extra 100,000 for FIDA. OK, I think it's already on the record. I mean, I, I could go all WikiLeaks on this, but, you know, I, I, I just think this is so it's, it's the most unprofessional thing I've ever, I've, I've ever come across in business that you have a private negotiation and then someone like starts slurting it out on the internet and it's just pathetic really i mean people you don't do that i mean i mean essentially gelfer was sent to london to try and try and secure an extra one hundred thousand euros from us and we just said no if four hundred thousand euros had been enough for fide we would be having the match in london full stop that's how disinterested we were we offered to do it can I be more comprehensive than that? I don't know. I don't think so.
3: I think I think you've been pretty clear, Malcolm. <laughs> yeah. I'm currently wiping my pants because I, uh, you know, you, the tone—it scared me. I'm I'm I feel intimidated. Uh, so i just slightly on a serious note. That obviously we're hugely disappointed that this isn't going to take place, especially in the Olympic year, which is such a special year. For the whole country, and this would have really complemented it so well. Bringing a game which has been talked about one day being part of the the Olympiads themselves. But okay, uh, we all would have loved to have seen it, and it would have been the biggest, best, and and most covered World Championships probably since since the '95, since the Intel. Yeah, and, and you know,
0: we even we even had contact with Seb Coe. You know, one of the sponsoring group actually had a word with Seb Coe, who's who's the 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 main organizer of the olympics and he was absolutely delighted when he heard the world championship was going to be three months before the olympics yeah oh, that's great you know how can we work together let's get let's organize something with the cultural program of the olympics that they're having in advance and it would it would have been absolutely superb and the the other thing that that, that i have to emphasize was that the reason we gave them the deadline was it takes ages to organize something like this mm. and we couldn't have less than 15 months to organise it. We thought. What I mean is, I'm, I'm I'm talking in very sort of crude practical terms about a venue. I couldn't actually yeah. find anywhere to hold it. You know, I, I was I was working on the assumption that FIDE would would w- would say, oh, all right, if this is your position, then fine. Four hundred thousand euros is enough for us. And I was actually running around London trying to find venues, and I couldn't find anywhere because it's 20 it's a 21 day gig, the World Championships, yeah, sure. with all the rest days and 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 never knows what else and the tie breaks and. I, I was beginning to think this is going to be difficult. So I said to the, to, to the guys putting up the money, um, you know, I think we need to just stop this at some point. Otherwise, we'll end up getting the world championships, let's say, and then not being able to do it properly. And that I, I couldn't really tolerate.
2: So your bet on where the world championship in 2012 will be held?
0: It will be held in one of the following three places. India, Armenia if Iranian wins, or Russia if Kramnik gets through the candidates. I don't see it being anywhere else. There is also uh, a chance that it might still be in London because I'm I'm working on another sponsor.
3: Oh my goodness! Wow, that's well, talk about burying the lead. <laughs> <laughs> so what did you're saying, Malcolm? There's there's still an outside chance.
0: There 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 is another sponsor. I had one of the most ridiculous conversations with sponsors I've ever had. I mean, there's some really nice people we're talking to and we kind of completely misread them in a certain sense and um, we, we didn't understand how, key, how keen they really were and, and so we, we had, this, um, had this meeting and we prepared this big presentation on how popular chess was throughout the world and you know all the benefits of this that and the other and the conversation went something the yeah great we, we know all of that we like chess have you got the world championships and um, I actually had to um, say well actually no we kind of turned them down um, on Saturday it was really ridiculous. So we've got another bunch of people who are sort of interested and keen, but it's got to work its way through the whole company. We're, we're not at, we're not talking to the very top people. We're talking to the people below the very top people. So oh. it needs a huge amount of work. My, my hope is that these people will do something.
3: So do, do, are you going to go through FIDE on this, or what? How how's it working? Is yeah, it- yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I'll go
0: through FIDE. Yeah, but we're, what what we're what we're going to do is we're going to put a variety of options to them. One's the World Championship, one's the World Rapid, one's the World Blitz, and the other is. Something I couldn't tell you about without giving away who it is. So I um, think
3: I know who it is, but so I'm awesome going to say I'm going to say it on. Go on, shows. let's play three guesses. Yeah. yeah, go on, let's play. No, tw- I know tw- who all right, all right. it is. It's Charlie Sheen. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, they Prince Andrew either. <laughs>
3: yeah. I tell you what, for 1.8 million dollars an episode of Two and a Half Men, which is all right, but let's face it, it's yes. it's, it's not equal. Not the greatest, the greatest thing on the greatest... Box, is it? He's not even the greatest on the box. He's not doing badly, is he? Let's face it. Um, I'll so tell you one thing I've discovered there.
0: Uh, Bono used to play in the Dublin League. Can you believe that?
3: Bono from U two. Yeah. Well he's got a wedge as well. Let's get on the phone to him. Yeah. I think we should follow we're
0: gonna try and follow that one up as well. But there's someone in someone in Ireland knows actually knows him from, from the old times if you like. So.
3: That would be great. Um, Although, if we can have him not singing, that would make it even greater, because (laughs) let's face it, if Charlie Sheen ain't the best actor, U2's probably the most overrated band in history. Uh,
0: That's exactly how I'll approach it. If I ever get to the meeting, yeah, I'll say, look, you know, we like you to do this for us, but for God's sake, please don't sing. Yeah, that'll, that'll, that's actually, I can't think
3: of a better way of approaching it. There's When you come along with me, I want to be out the room. There's one thing I just have to mention. If you get a chance, guys, there's a great clip of Bono and, and Pavarotti, and they're singing Ave Maria. Yeah. No, have, have another drink, Ave Maria. Ave Maria. <laughs> sure. yeah. Very good. Well, our American friends won't get that, but anyway... Um, you watch this clip on YouTube, and you see Pavarotti wince with pain when when Bono's trying to, you know, maintain this note, and then Pavarotti says, "Right, sod this," and he just belts it out, and Bono's standing there thinking, "Crap, actually, I can't, really I can't live with
0: this. Yeah,
2: I can't really sing, can I?" That's there you go <laughs> well thank you very much Malcolm for the news and the gossip and could I just
0: apologise for having such a rant but I thought you know if I can't have a rant on the full English breakfast where can I
2: have a rant there you go great well thanks guys thanks Bye. for coming Malcolm it's been a pleasure thanks, I mean, take care
3: so you say it. it can still happen in London what's going on what the f*** is going on
2: Uh, as a reminder, on our last show we put out the word that uh, we're going to be giving away an official program from the Tata Steel Tournament in A signed by all of the winners of that event for anybody who donated in February. Thank you very much to all of those who did donate in February. I've written your names on uh, pieces of paper here and I'm mixing them up shell game style. So, Steven, in a moment uh, I want you to tell me when to stop And then, Lawrence, you say uh, which hand I should pick a name out of. Okay, here we go. Can we get a drum roll? Okay, stop. Okay, which hand? Left. Picking up my left hand, and the paper is Tony Cortizaz. Well done, Sony. Tony Cortizaz wins that sign program. We'll get that in the mail to you right away.
3: Nice one, Tony. That's great news. Thanks for contributing. And there's a donate button on our homepage, gfeb.com. If you want to hear us uh, again and again, and we're hoping to do more of these, your support would be hugely welcome. I mean, nice. that is that is serious. That is serious. Uh, prize. That will be,
2: uh, you know. That can
1: go in the first.
2: Let's uh, backtrack to a story that we skipped Uh, Right as it happened, it was also in January, but we were uh, focused on the uh, Tata Steel Tournament, and that was this uh, open letter from 18 players, participants in the Women's World Championship in Turkey, which was held in December. Uh, They all signed a critique of the tournament organization directed to FIDE. Among their grievances, the uh, cost and quality of the hotel and the cost of the airport transfer service. Not surprisingly, FIDE disputed the points raised and generally criticized the use of an open letter as a way to air such grievances, suggesting that it hurts efforts to raise sponsorship for women's chess.
3: Let's face it, and Stephen can back me up here, we have also participated in quite big events and and prestigious events over the years, even if they're things like European championships which were held over here, and it isn't surprising to me. I, I can't see any reason why they would want to lie. That's the problem i've got it it only affects them in a negative way it only shows up FIDE, day and that has repercussions further down the line perhaps for sponsorship but more importantly for the reputation of the tournament itself so the only gain is that the general chess community and perhaps outside take note and realize actually something needs to be done there needs to be a bit of pressure to be put on FIDE day here and of course FIDE came back with uh, their own letter saying that all of the accusations weren't accurate, that the hotel was a good standard, the ladies complained about the the road next to the hotel and they they had a whole list of things Um, but why complain about these things if they weren't true because the women's events, the other ones, for example the one in Doha at the moment, um, I think has been in excellent condition and they've had really good uh, locations before. So something doesn't quite add up here. I don't know what you think, Steve.
1: I, I really do think that they should speak up for themselves if if they feel hard done by. And, you know, they need to get a grip. This is the women's World Championship. You know, you shouldn't have... How many players was it supporting? You shouldn't shouldn't have that many players. Well, that's Just-
2: what was so strange to me, was that, I mean, this is 18 players. It's not one or two, including, you know, big names. Kostenyuk, Daniela Yen, who was almost winning the, uh, the the Grand Prix event in Doha last week. Uh, Pogonina, I mean, many, many, many names. And so, Macropolis, in his response, the, the the curious thing about it was that he was suggesting that this had to do with their relative underperformance. In other words, this was, uh, you know, sore losers. <laughs> so, they're looking for something to criticize, some excuse.
1: It's some ridiculous way of just palming off the blame, isn't it, really? I mean, it's, it's almost like... A, a sort of like a kids argument that very unprofessional way to respond to something like this well i
2: i would like to know uh, whether they did raise these points at the time in turkey and, uh, and if they were systematically ignored in some way, that uh, I, I have not determined to my satisfaction.
3: And they've got, a, they've got a huge challenge in front of them. The women have done so well in recent years in getting these big tournaments. They're getting prize funds, uh, and there's some great players out there as well. I mean, look at the Ho-Yi fans, and look at the uh, the Nanas, and, and, and look at the uh, the Kosinseva sisters, and all of these girls who are really showing humongous strength and and potential they deserve the equal platform and this sort of well just things like they had to take a taxi um from a booked firm rather than a local firm and that would have been cheaper or things like uh, you know having to pay registration fees i saw uh they had to pay for lunch and dinner uh in the restaurants nearby now these things shouldn't happen uh for a women's world championship they should have all expenses i mean that's can you imagine Topolov or Anand suddenly having to pay for dinner? I mean, it just doesn't happen. It needs to be sorted out.
2: Well, lest we be accused of doing a whole show without talking about a single chess tournament, let's quick check in with the Capella Grand tournament. The winner was a, a Polish grandmaster. I don't even want to try butchering this name, so I had to call in some uh, professional help
1: Grzegorz Gajewski.
2: You got that? Gajewski.
1: Gaevsky
3: Gajewski Gajewski I've played him. Yeah. Uh he's yeah, I played him uh, a couple of times actually. I had oh my god wait. Gajewski that's the game where I marched my king to g3 with black. <laughs> Have you seen that game? Oh you got I haven't seen that game. Oh my god. Are you Gaevsky serious? Trend. When's it from? It's from 2000, what three, four, something like that. It's probably my nicest game ever, and this is against the guy who created, and I say this, created the gajewski opening in the uh, in the, one of the main line Lopuses, didn't he? That uh, that d5 move. Do you remember that, Steve? Oh wow! Oh
1: yeah, boom! Yeah,
3: yeah. 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 So you know he's a big name, and he's a great player. He's one of the top boys in in Poland now. So. It's really good that he's won this tournament. He's always been a class player.
2: I mean, he can win big tournaments. He he's touching 2600 now, I think. Gajewski actually. Well, massive open tournament Capella ground in France. Uh congratulations. It was the first name that that hangs me up. Gregos, it's very easy. It's No, no, no it isn't. Gregorz. No, it isn't. You didn't you didn't hear? It. I have to play it again.
1: Grzegorz Gajewski. Yeah. Grzegorz Gajewski. Gr-
2: Grzegorz. Gzaioski. It's the it's the rz. The rz it's brutal. It's it's more like a zh. That's That's right, Jaygosh. Grzegorz.
1: Grzegorz Gajewski. That's How about that.
2: Pretty good, right? That's very good. Steven well good. done. All right. It That's is. excellent. We're trying. Let's uh, move on. It's time for the Zeitnot. Shortly after Vikenze, I was on a plane back to New York in time for the Spring Fashion Week. Met up with Magnus Carlsen, who returned for another turn as G-Star Raw spokesmodel. This time alongside the English actress, Gemma Arterton.
3: Do you know what? And this is the story. I went out today... I went to a a big shopping centre called Westfields, Shepherds Bush, West London. Needs to get a few things because I'm I'm shooting off to Miami this Saturday. I went to a G-Star Raw shop and uh, our boy was there, the biggest poster in one of the biggest shopping centres in London, uh, representing the chess community. And there was Miss Arterton, who, let's face it, she's a pants actress, but who cares when you look like that? Do you know what I mean? She is a bloody good-looking girl, so... uh, yeah, I'm, I'm all for G-Star Raw.
2: Well, I'm sorry to say that uh, Gemma had to hop a plane right after the show, so I didn't get a chance to speak with her. Um, She's uh, not taking any lessons from Magnus in Washington Square Park uh, like uh, his other co-star, Liv Tyler, did back in the fall. But I did catch up with Magnus backstage for a quick chat, I asked him what some of the funniest questions were on the press walk that they do backstage before the show. And here's what he had to say. Well, one of the funniest questions, someone, um, I think it was Teen Vogue who asked me, uh, what was your inspiration for this collection? And uh, I just said, I didn't make the clothes, I'm wearing them or something like that. And then there was VH1 were asking me, you know, have you been to the Fashion Week before and I said, oh, I was to the g star show last year and then they said, ah, so you must really know how things are backstage and everything, what's going on there and I said, I mean, you're just, I was just about the only person on this press walk who doesn't have a clue about it. It was funny because some of them knew that I was Magnus the chess player as well, as the level, and some just didn't. They'd, basically didn't have a clue who I was. Some, some of them knew that that was uh,
3: campaign model and nothing
2: else.
3: Yeah, Steve, what do you think? I mean, I myself, I'd be indulging like Charlie Sheen in a limousine full of uh, cocktail waitresses, but uh, you know, what do you think, Steve? Do you think <laughs> Magnus took a, took full advantage of the surroundings in which he found himself? Well, I mean, he could have had a bit of fun with the
1: reporters, couldn't he? I, bet. I suspect if you were asked a question What inspiration did you have for this clothing line? What would you have said, Trent? You'd have come up with something for him.
3: Yeah, I mean, I would have said, well, this frizzy number, this is what I call an Ivanchuk special. I, uh was watching Vasily walk around the park one day and his head actually went in 72 different directions and I thought I'd wear something that represented this genius or something along those lines and hopefully they'd actually believe me and think I was the next Bruno. I've just got a feeling that, because we know how Magnus is, we met him at London, we met him a few times now, he's a very nice, very modest and very down-to-earth kind of guy and He's been thrown into a room full of pretentious and slightly aloof personalities in many ways, I suppose. So for the first time, I imagine he sort of, of probably feels on some level, unco- maybe not uncomfortable, but alien to, to his surroundings. And uh, I think I'd fit in very well with the sordid acts that probably happen around there. But the clothing line is great. Do you know how much a pair of uh, G-Star Raw jeans cost, Steve? Oh, I don't even want to know. The standard pair is about 100 quid, um, mm. which in, in dollars, US dollars, is about uh, 150, 160 bucks. And if you go higher up the end, they were selling jeans, say, for 350 pounds. 400 pounds they
2: were selling these jeans for. I mean, that's a lot of money for a pair of jeans. Well, he does get to keep the clothes, and that is one of the perks he did say, however, that the second time around was a little bit less exciting. I guess not too surprising there. And when I asked him if he was tempted by this peek into an alternate lifestyle, he uh, he said, "Well, a little bit, but that he was planning to stick to chess." Did you see any of the photos, Steve?
1: I haven't seen any photos. He's still got his yeah. big poster up in the Arndale in Manchester. That's right.
3: That's I was right. uh, walking isn't. around
1: there this morning, said hello
2: to Magnus, you know, on my way through. He was sitting next to Natasha Beddingfield in one of the, walk, uh, the catwalk sessions. Well, you can see a shot of Magnus and Gemma watching the runway show from New York on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash theFEB.
3: Wow, that is going to be my favourite page. Guys, check it. She's so
2: serious. There were no scandals over in the Americas at the U.S. Amateur Team East, also known as the World Amateur Team Championship, which is the largest of 14 tournaments played in the U.S. over President's Day weekend each year. In the East, nearly 1,200 players participated. It was the 41st edition. It's this massive festival atmosphere, which is always a lot of fun. And one of the big highlights every year is the best chess-related team name competition. This is something that's that's voted by audience applause uh, before the Sunday evening round. Some of my favorites were Vichy Leaks, Blackmar Bieber Gambit. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. And there were a couple of Egypt-related ones. Mubarak Overextended Minority Attack. <laughs> Cairo Khan defense, Mubarak Sacrifice. Very oh, excellent. I like that. Wow. I like that. Wow. The, chi- the Cairo Khan defense, yes. <laughs> but the three finalists that made the first cut of audience applause then got voted on, uh, and here were the last three as read by the tournament organizer, Steve Doyle.
1: Alright, we've got three finalists. BP's crude lines are busted. <laughs> Chilean
2: miners escaping smothered mate. The Chilean defense, no minor pieces trapped. <laughs> good, good winner. So, hearkening back to one of the big stories of 2010, the trapped miners in Chile, the Chilean defense, no minor pieces trapped. Good that was a good one, wasn't it? Yeah. A
3: yeah. lot like that. Now,
2: they also do an award for the best chess gimmick, uh, which is often a costume. But this time it was a combination and it was really won quite decisively by a band that performed live. They called themselves Kess and they were doing a hard rock parody of the band KISS and their song Rock and Roll All Night.
0: I um, was trying to think of songs to parody for, uh, for, for this. I mean, we, last year we parodied YMCA. The year before that, we parodied uh, Sergeant Pepper's only arts club band. So we tried to think of something a little bit heavier for this year. And, and there's the huge bug house soap culture kind of. I mean, there's the rounds going on, but then there's the big tournament at night. And so we decided to have a little fun with it and do that.
1: Yeah, we do something like that every year. Life is more than chess. <laughs> Can't do anything without music, in my opinion.
2: That was Kess with uh, I Want to Play Bug House All Night at Speed Chess Every Day. We'll have the full clip on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash thefeb. Wow, my old man, he's
3: a Big Kiss fan. Good song. Why don't we get a super grandmaster band? arranged. You know, so we'd have Short as the guitarist. Gelfand, he can sing, can't he?
1: You know who is known for singing? Sutovsky. You know, a bit of Pavarotti.
3: Who's good on the bass? Who would be a good bass player? Who's got long fingers? Grischuk. He's He's probably a bassist, isn't he?
2: Let's see if we can get it sorted out. Okay, that about does it for this episode of The Full English Breakfast. I'm off to Monaco and the last Amber Blindfold and Rapid tournament. Oh no, the last one? Yes very sad oh no i didn't know that that's a shame. 20th anniversary jubilee wow that's such a shame that's always a great tournament she's got a bit of
1: chess at the end of the month but yeah. you know go on tell us about miami what are you going to be up to miami i'm just going
3: out there for work i'm going out there this saturday out there for a week you know so that'll be a good break and i need that i need a bit of sun that would be, be nice and a bit of chess you know and just life
2: Life, (laughs) Macaulay. Life. That's what we've got in front of us. Life. We'll reconvene in a few weeks for episode
3: nine. All right, it's been a pleasure, Macaulay. Speak to you soon, guys.
2: That is A1 gossip, mate. He's got
1: that tiger blood running through his veins.